0: hello and welcome to watch out the horror movie review podcast we're happy to have you with us I am Jason the Terrible, broadcasting from Ottawa, Ontario, and with me, as always, from Vancouver, BC, is Grave Robber Jeff, Howdy. and Slice and Dice and Dave.
1: What is going on, everybody?
0: Now, the goal of our podcast, as you may know by now, is to provide you with spoiler-free reviews and recommendations for recent fright flicks, as well as horror classics. And today we have one of those horror classics, maybe in quotation marks, that we're going to do a future review on, and that is 1982's New York Ripper by Lucio Fulci. Have you guys heard of this one before I picked it last time?
1: Oh, is that the one we were supposed to watch? Whoops. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I've heard of it, Jay, and uh, I've actually been meaning to watch it for a number of years, and so just this week,
0: I watched it. Well, there you go. I'm happy to help. So, Slice and Dice and Dave, Grave Robert Jeff, have you guys heard of the Video Nasties list from the UK?
1: I, ha- oh. I haven't, Jay. What, what you, the heck? What's that I? all about?
0: I bring up the Video Nasties because it relates to New York Ripper. Oh, cool, explain. Y- though New York Ripper never actually ended up on the Video Nasties list. Anyway, in the early 80s, the BBFC. So, the BBFC stands for the British Board of Film Classification, it's basically the MPAA of the UK.
1: Okay. Well, why are you bringing this up there, Jay?
0: I like talking in acronyms. Back in the 80s, they came up with a list of of 72 movies that were considered obscene, and that if anybody in the UK was found to be owning them, i.e. like a video rental store or or a movie theater that happened to be showing it, they could get prosecuted and, and charged with obscenity. Y- you don't say. You know, this is a big censorship controversy, and, and it... Some of these films haven't been released to British audiences until, you know, the early 2000s when when things started to change. But anyway, the New York Ripper was actually banned in the UK upon its release. And it, it only was okayed for distribution in 2002. So what is that, 20 years later? Something like that, yep. Now Shutter has it. That's where we watched it, and Shudder, I think, has pretty close to a fully uncut version. I think there's still some cuts that that, that are in there, but... Can you uh, confirm that, or no, that it's been cut or not? I can confirm that all of the scenes that have been cut down are actually in the version that we watched on Shudder. One or two notes here or there say that a fully uncut version has not ever seen daylight. Yeah, so that's, that's changing up our, our schedule a little bit here on this, on this podcast talking about the feature movie so soon, but...
1: Yeah, well let's do it. Let's, let's start it off with our feature
0: movie. Why the hell not? And now watch out for our feature presentation.
2: But this governing body, was it more about
0: sexual stuff or about uh, violent stuff? It was a little bit of everything, though one of, one of the things that really annoyed them was excessive violence towards women, and boy does New York Ripper have excessive violence towards women.
1: Yeah, I gotta say, this particular movie, it has probably the most sleaziest scene I've ever seen in any film, and you know, like, uh, you know, I don't mind uh, some scantily clad ladies here and there, but holy smokes was there a scene, that one in the old uh, pool hall, I just wanted to barf, uh, barf right on the floor, it was so awful. The the amount of close-ups of lips just made me want to rip my face off. It was terrible. <laughs> but uh, well anyway, I guess we can get into that in a little bit, but holy sleezathon seven thousand.
0: Well, Fulci is known for his close ups of eyes and faces of characters during particularly tense scenes, and I guess in this one especially lips. I oh. did I did notice that too, slice and dice and Dave. Well, let let's start off with a little synopsis, shall we?
1: Take it away, Jason the Terrible.
0: The synopsis coming straight from Letterboxd. A burned-out New York police detective teams up with a college psychoanalyst to track down a vicious serial killer randomly stalking and killing various young women around the city.
1: Well, you know, I guess that's kind of what's happening in this particular thing. It's, there's a there's a serial killer going around in murdering some some young ladies in New York. What a horrible situation.
2: Well, my first thoughts have to do with the soundtrack. I don't know if you guys remember the soundtrack, but as soon as the title comes on the screen, it's like full-blown, like, 70s disco funk. And I was like, whoa, what an odd soundtrack. It was almost like a, uh, I don't know, like a Hawaii Five O, or... Yeah. What are those other crime shows from the early days that had these these super upbeat uh, soundtracks well I was gonna
0: yeah chips I was gonna I was gonna say grave robber I don't think I could identify a 70s disco funk to save my life but but I did make a note of how it sounded like those early 80s cop shows yeah so good point there grave robber the film opens with a uh, with the discovery of a shall we say a part of a body, and and it's it's some poor old guy and his dog playing fetch, and I gotta say this poor old guy and his dog playing fetch were the most unconvincing poor old guy and dog playing fetch I've ever seen. Just the uh, the look on his face as he's encouraging his dog to bring back the stick that he threw in the bush and and. Uh, yeah. Anyway, you you knew something else was coming out of there rather than the stick, and and sure enough, we get we get a severed hand, and uh, and we get to freeze frame on that for the the entirety of the of the opening credit scene.
1: I would first like to apologize for our host here, Jason the Terrible. Um, he did he did mention spoiler free. Um, in this case, he, he brutally lied to you.
0: What are you talking about?
1: well no one knows he's gonna bring a hand out of there they're expecting a stick <laughs> everyone's gonna be pissed right off
0: i'm pretty sure that that most people are gonna watch that scene and expect something other than a stick to come out okay,
1: of okay okay well from now on we won't have any more spoilers unbelievable so yeah no uh so now now it's like hey there's some sort of issue here, so then the police get involved. <laughs> There's
0: some sort of issue indeed.
1: Yeah, because they found a, a severed hand, you see, and that's not, that's not a normal occurrence, or it shouldn't be a normal occurrence. So now the, the police get involved, you see.
0: Yes, we yeah. meet Lieutenant Fred Williams, played by Jack Headley, who also starred in For Your Eyes Only, for those James Bond fans out there. Oh, get out of town. So Lieutenant Fred Williams searches out the help of college psychoanalysts and chess aficionado, Dr. Paul Davis, played by Paolo Malco. And this is an interesting relationship because pretty much throughout the whole movie, what we get are the psychoanalysts saying, Oh, well, I've come to this conclusion. You guys should really do this. And the lieutenant says, What do you think? I am an idiot? We're already doing that. Oh, so yeah. I think I counted three times at least where that happened, uh, and, and twice in the last 20 minutes. So that was, I found that to be. Pretty entertaining
2: should we bring up that the uh, killer has a very unique uh, voice
1: yes or is that? that when you hear about the New York Ripper you always hear that like the the, the killer uh, talks on the telephone uh, like a like a Donald Duck creature and goes quack 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 quack
0: oh that's right? not that well, that's your Donald Duck impersonation
1: no quack, 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 quack. Jesus. You could have been the friggin' serial killer with a voice like that. That was terrifying. You'll never catch
0: me. You'll never understand me. <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: that was awful, but the quacking was all right.
0: I'm pretty sure that's pretty close to how he sounded. Are
2: you all there? Ask me, Lieutenant
0: Williams. Speaking, what do you
2: want? To dedicate a murder to you. <laughs> The guy who attacked her is our friend who calls and talks like a duck. Well, he's made his first big mistake. Poor down cop. <laughs> you don't think i would be so to let you pinpoint me with your stupid Tracy machines, do you?
1: Uh, grave robber?
2: <laughs> uh, I, I can't do an impression. <laughs> That's as good as I can Oh, do. my God.
1: Geez, I think I'm just going to stick with my quack, 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 quack.
0: So, yeah, as these two guys get together and the and they start to realize that there's a ser- serial killer out there, the bodies start to pile up. But not just any bodies. We're talking about women here that are in the... Well, somehow linked to the sex profession, I well,
1: guess. Well, that's... A, hey, the first gal, was she a sex gal or whatever?
0: I was going to bring that gal? up. The So, the first person... To be stalked by the serial killer, other than the, than the discovery in the bush at the beginning.
1: That looked like a man's hand. Thank you very much.
0: No, there were, there were oh, nails. Dude. There were painted the, nails on That the there.
1: most mannish hand I've ever seen.
0: I, I guess we'll agree to disagree on that. So the first person stalked by, by the serial killer seems to be guilty of nothing but riding a bike in short shorts. Whoa,
1: hold on. Actually I guess it's because it was brought up in the show. They said that all these girls happen to be related to the sex industry.
0: You know what I'm saying? Well, there may be a backstory to her that we don't know, but, but all, all that we know is that she's riding her bike down the street.
1: She sure was.
0: Okay, so the body the body count starts piling up. This is where things get sort of muddied for me, is we're just introduced to a few more characters. And we don't get a lot of background behind many of them. Well, most characters in this movie are preoccupied by sex in some way. You know, even the, even the lieutenant is visiting prostitutes. And that's one of the major criticisms of this movie is just how, how graphic and sexual it is. And how much violence is tied to all of that. Um, it, it, really,
1: it really makes New York look like a weird place in the early 80s. Hey, this is a question. It's, like, it's an Italian film, isn't it?
0: It is, and yes. Did we say it was by Lucio Fulci?
1: Oh God, if we didn't, we should talk about it now.
0: So the infamous Lucio Fulci, who previously directed such gore classics as Zombie 2, Don't Torture a Duckling, City of the Dead, The Beyond, he was always in the same sentence as Dario Argento, another Italian horror and suspense maestro. Throughout his career he gained a lot of notoriety and a lot of criticism for his portrayal of, of sex and violence and, and particularly his, what seems to be a very sadistic streak towards women. And this movie didn't help him in that way at all. But, you know, he's definitely trying to get across the grimy, dirty underbelly of New York. You know, I think that's what Times Square kind of looked like back in the early 80s. I mean, What, I what do you
1: mean by what it looked like?
0: Well, I mean, New York, the way it's portrayed in this film, kind of looks like Amsterdam.
1: You know, when I think about New York in the early 80s, I think of Ghostbusters. <laughs> with, the, with the library and everything, you know? Not this. Oh, God, not this. Hey, have you, any of you guys been to New York? Or?
0: No, I have not yet been to New York, Slice and, Dice and Dave.
1: Oh, I get out of town. I, I've been, I had a lovely time. So let's just get that straight. New York is a wonderful city. I gotta say, probably the favorite, my favorite city I've been to it was awesome it's where it's like where dreams are made of you know and i was going to take my wife there for her birthday this year but with the damn covid business and stuff we can't leave our country you see no no what a wonderful place you know with the old central park and all the buildings and such
0: throughout this movie we get some pretty intense gore scenes and all practical there's obviously there's no cgi back in 1982 at least to not to the extent that we're used to <laughs> though i can imagine them on commodore 64 is trying to like <laughs> i was never good at drawing on the on the paint program in commodore 64 but maybe someone was they could edit a movie but you know i'm not expecting it here
1: no well i tell you what um this this particular movie had a really really graphic horrible death scene which i found fantastic
0: fantastic you say
1: yeah yeah, no, it, it had to do with a razor blade and an eyelid and everything. Did you see that scene?
0: Uh, Yeah, I think I know which one you're talking about there, Slice and Days and Dave. Well,
1: it was the one with the razor blade and the eyelid. I won't get <laughs> into it, but but it's really really uh, graphic and horrible. Well, did you I'm... see that one, Grave Robber Jeff? Oh, yeah. What did you think of that?
0: Yeah, it was pretty graphic. Well, <laughs> that was the scene that, that got that had to be cut way down before it would be accepted by the bbfc well um, oh, there you
1: go Yeah, it had me cringing is that what they say these days Cringeworthy.
0: it's cringe worthy yeah yep. and the uh and the nipple as well
1: ah i didn't even remember that until you just brought it up thanks for that fella Jeez.
0: fulci is known for his over-the-top gore and for 1982, this is considered over the top core It's it's not so bad these days. I, I'm gonna take that back. Some of it some of it is pretty cringe inducing even today. As, yeah, as that's as what Sl- I, that's
1: what I was just explaining. Yeah,
0: as Slice and Dyson and Dave just said. For me, any any time anything sharp comes close to an eye, that does it for me.
1: Now, were you guys satisfied with the storyline of it all?
0: I was damn confused by the storyline of it all. How about you, Grave Rubber? thing that bugged me about the storyline is
2: they spent a lot of time on a couple of characters that they just completely abandoned so it's kind of a, a weird one to follow going through because you're like wow that was a lot of time spent on nothing really yeah that's
1: um, a very good point point.
2: and then you really don't meet the the important guys until like halfway through the movie and so they have to really integrate that quickly because half the movie's over already
1: yeah, there was a big chunk of movie focused on at least one gal that uh, was like, what was the point
0: of that? Yeah, I, I mentioned already that there, hasn't, there wasn't a lot of character development, and what, what little character development there was was, was focused on characters that, that we don't really care too much about. We do meet Faye Majors, played by Almanta Seska in her first starring role. And her brother, I think it was her brother, right? Peter Bunch, played by Andre Ochipinti. They become bigger in the story as we go along, but she's attacked on a subway and ends up having quite an interesting scene uh, later on in a movie theater. But the, the, these two confused me as well. I, I think all the, I think a lot of the characters just, I don't know. It's it's kind of an infuriating movie that way because none of the characters really cried out to be the good guy in this movie or someone that i would care about
1: i didn't mind lieutenant fred williams he was all right the jack Headley character but but I, I kind of agree with you like i didn't feel like i cared for anybody in the film really you know what i'm saying
2: i think had they introduced that lady's character earlier on it would have been a bit better
1: yeah i agree with you like but like you say you just introduced showed up her... out of nowhere yeah, you say you introduce her earlier, and then you deal with some of that—the uh, Jane woman, the one with the trench coat. I'm gonna call it her the trench coat lady. Like, uh, you know what I'm saying? You, you're right. You could have, you could have kind of moved parts around a bit, and I think it would have made it uh, flow a little better. You know?
0: All right. So I find it interesting that last episode we we officially set up our uh, severe trauma to the male genitalia counter. You know we were commenting on the fact that this had become a thing evidently because we had come across it so often in, in just the first few movies that we've looked at as a podcast and you know we're taking it kind of tongue-in-cheek but i mean it's it's important to counterbalance this with with the fact that and yes the horror genre is is full of violence against women and that's been a criticism of the genre for pretty much ever since the genre existed This movie, though, is an example of one that is unapologetically violent against women in particular. And not only that, some of the scenes, well, I mean a lot of the scenes, the violence is done to the parts of the body that make them women. And if you're going in to watch this, you should should know that, that, that this is can be very uncomfortable to watch the, the way a lot of the violence is shot and, and the effects and things like that. So our severe trauma to the male genitalia counter is, is a tongue-in-cheek thing. This New York Ripper is, is definitely not. It's not a movie to take lightly if that kind of thing bothers you.
1: Yeah, you got that right. And hey, talk about a lot of sex and nudity, eh? Uh, you know what I mean? I wasn't really expecting that. But uh, and, and that's a good question. Hey, I didn't know. Was that actually true that they had like live sex shows in New York back then, or do they still? Well, I don't know.
0: So I can't say, but I have to assume that there was something like that. Like I, I said, guess, yeah. you know, I
1: just always assumed it would be the you know Europe and uh, you know what I'm saying because Europe's so uh, crazy and stuff. But no, uh, yeah, that was quite interesting. I thought on uh, on that one hand. But yeah, there's a lot of sex and nudity. So if you don't like sex and nudity and then, you know, women getting murdered and stuff. It's actually qu- kind of an uncomfortable show. But but I said that one scene was super sleazy. The whole movie's pretty sleazy.
2: That's kind of one of the things that was a bit unfortunate in my mind because once you get past all that, I thought they handled like the reveal and the confrontation at the end was pretty unique and interesting if you're you. um, put off by everything else um, it's hard to appreciate that part of it yeah you're right
1: there it's um it kind of was like a pretty decent finale as they say were you happy with the ending there great robert jeff i guess you kind of said it you were yeah
2: and i'd like to say specifics about why but i can't
1: well you can talk because about that with spoiler us later free review it sure is. It sure is. But but we'd just like to bring up Jeff is very hard to please when it comes to uh, endings. So that's a at least that's got
0: a, this movie has that going for it right there.
2: Yeah, because usually there's like twists or something and like that you can see coming.
0: It was an interesting reveal, but but not one that satisfied me too much. In a in a spoiler-filled review, I'd have a lot of things to say about it as well, but let's just say that, that the motivation behind the killer's actions didn't make a lot of sense to me, even after they explained it.
1: Yeah, okay, I, I, I see both sides of the story here. I kind of agree with both of you, so I'm kind of in the middle. I thought it was okay, but then at the same time, it wasn't. <laughs>
0: You're right, you do, you do see you, both sides of things. Like, are you happy
1: with my explanation? Okay, what are three things that's, that you'll take away from this movie there, uh, Jason the Terrible?
0: Never get into somebody's empty car and write swear words on their windshield. Never have lunch alone in a pool hall. And never play fetch with your dog if you don't know what's in the bushes.
1: Well, well what I'm, what I'm, uh, that's not necessarily what I'm asking. What I'm asking, or what are three things? Okay, like, seriously, not never would I do this, or never would I do that. My answer is going to be the friggin' scene in the pool hall, or one of my answers, and then another one's going to be the friggin' eye cut. And then, you, you mean which I'm ones saying? are going to stick with you the longest?
0: Well, that's what I'm trying to say.
1: Well, you better not take my
0: my friggin' uh, sleaze ball scene i'll be pissed off <laughs> i would say the broken bottle scene was fairly traumatic i don't know i mean i guess just how everybody in this movie was was just it was all about sex right even the characters that were not being targeted by this killer they're they're visiting prostitutes they're buying gay porn from a newsstand they're so much sex and you could argue that this is the point that fulci's trying to make but you gotta peel through a bunch of layers of filth and blood to to get down to the central theme of this movie, and I think you're you're asking a lot to to dig that deep.
1: So filthy, so filthy. Hey, grave robber Jeff, what are you gonna take away from this flick?
2: Yeah, I guess looking past all the sexual stuff, which I'm not gonna take with me. It's not enjoyable sexual imagery, you know. Yeah, so I don't know if I toned out that or tuned out that stuff or what, but. I
0: thought that the Donald Duck voice, for example, it was just so ridiculous. Well, would you say that this was a good filmmaking decision to have the voice be Donald Duck's voice?
2: It was almost like a like a way to draw the attention away from the explicit details, like having this out of left field, almost comedy element to it. Sort of had a weird balance, I guess.
0: Well, and I think what they're intending is that it does tie into the resolution of the plot as well. But when a hand juts out of the curtain and and it's the woman screaming and and the Donald Duck voice going <laughs> it's it's definitely not something that we I've ever seen. When
1: I when I hear people bring up this movie before I've watched it, they always brought up like the Donald
0: Duck serial killer and I, was, I was like what the hell are you guys talking about well now i know so did you know that one of the writers and, and actually fulci is listed as one of the writers as well but um, one of the writers by the name of gianfranco clarici was one of the writers on cannibal holocaust which was also on the video nasties list and is a very notorious cannibal movie have you you guys must have heard of that one
1: uh, yes, I've seen Cannibal Holocaust, I sure have. I didn't realize he was, um, What did you say he was the writer of that? Or
0: Not Fulci, but Gianfranco Clerici, who oh, was one of the co-writers of this movie. Oh, I gotcha. Alright, well before we get into our rating segments on this movie, I have trivia. Oh god, no! Alright, trivia question number one. Like I mentioned at the beginning, New York Ripper is often associated with the Video Nasties list, but was not actually on the Video Nasties list, it was just banned in the UK. And it was actually exported back to Italy so that it wouldn't get people prosecuted. They just completely washed their hands of it. But which of the following four movies that we've talked about, either as a review or, you know, in passing on a previous podcast, or a previous practice podcast, actually, um, which of these following four movies was not on the video nasties list? All right, you Ooh. ready? How interesting. Was it A, A Bay of Blood? B, Sleepaway Camp? C, The Evil Dead? Or D, Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker? And before you guess, just reminding you that the list was made in 1982-ish, all of these movies would fall into that Timeline.
1: Wow, interesting. Oh, uh...
0: Yes, Slice and Dice and Dave.
1: Um, well, geez, that's a tough one. I've got it narrowed down to two. I'm going to take a flying guess, and I'm going to say Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker.
0: You are incorrect. Son of a bitch. Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker was one of the movies on the Video Nasty's list. It was. It was on the... The list that was never successfully prosecuted, but it was on the initial video nasties list. All right. Grave robber Jeff, care to give it a shot? That's You're... interesting. that butcher
2: baker was on the list. It was. Would you have guessed that as well? Probably, yeah. Ah, son of a... See, that's Let's not great. I should have let you go first. The day of the evil dead, and what was the other one? Sleepaway Camp. Sleepaway Camp.
0: You are correct. Grave oh. robber Jeff. Oh, I knew motor. it was
1: one or the other, but I was I was
0: thinking maybe because of that last scene, that was a little too much. You yes. know what I'm saying? So just to fill you in here, The Evil Dead was also a movie that was on the list, but was not successfully prosecuted. So it was not it was not found to be profane or obscene. But
1: hey, do you know what's funny? I just got a um, a version of The Evil Dead in the mail on Blu-ray, and I got the version from where the hell did I get it from? I don't know, out in Europe somewhere. And uh, so it had some behind the scenes stuff and I watched the behind the scenes and they talked about that. They talked that uh, it wasn't allowed in the UK or whatnot. So there you go. I'll be damned.
0: There you go. And just to finish up, A Bay of Blood was, at least in this small sample size, was the one movie that was successfully prosecuted. Oh, wow. It was ruled to be obscene and profane and, and all of those things. All right. So that's trivia question number one. Well, and all you guys are worried about your your
1: freedom of speech and stuff today. Well, try living in 1982 England, huh?
0: Come on now. Yeah, didn't they have like sword fights and like beheadings and stuff?
1: Yeah, and, and like they they had catapults and cows and such.
0: And buckets of boiling oil that they'd pour down on you if you if you had a copy of uh, a Bay of Blood.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then they'd throw some chicken feathers
0: on you, wouldn't they? Something like that. All right. Question number two. Numero dos. Lucio Fulci directed Zombie, also known as Zombie 2, because another well-known zombie movie was released in Italy under the name Zombie. Which movie was released in Italy under the name Zombie? Is it A, Night of the Living Dead, B, Dawn of the Dead, C, Shockwaves, or D, City of the Living Dead? Bang. Hey, Grave Robber Jeff. I'll go B, Night of the Living Dead. Well, actually, uh, Night in the Living Dead was number A. Dawn oh. of the Dead was number B. <laughs> so which one do you go? B, Dawn of the Dead. You are correct, Grave oh, Robber Jeff. i
1: my, 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 my uh, what do you call it? My strategy failed me this time around. Well, you were
0: always going to go with C?
1: No, I was going to let him guess wrong, and then I was going to guess B. Because <laughs> that was a bad strategy this time.
0: Oh, well. So, Grave Robber Jeff, did you know that, or did you guess? No, oh, that was a guess. Oh, that was a pretty good guess. Especially when you said uh, B, Night of the Living Dead. I thought you were totally going to go with Night of the Living Dead. <laughs>
2: yeah, that was no, I, cheap, I had decided on B, and I was going to go with whatever B was. <laughs>
0: All right, trivia question number three. Can Grave Robber Jeff do a clean sweep for the first time ever? All right, bear with me. I've got a little exposition to start this one off on.
1: Oh, for God's sakes.
0: Film studies has a term for film as language called semiotics, which says that images or sequences of images can be used to speak to audiences. A perfect example is a shot of the Empire State Building to communicate that a film is set in New York, for example. Now, in this movie, in the first five minutes, we see the Statue of Liberty, the Staten Island Ferry, the World Trade Center, and a bunch of yellow cabs. However, the first scene we see is a shot of one of New York's bridges. Which bridge is it? Is it A, the Brooklyn Bridge, B, the Manhattan Bridge, C, the Williamsburg Bridge, or D, the Queensboro Bridge? man. Slice and Dice and Dave.
1: The Brooklyn Bridge. You
0: are correct, Slice and Dave. Yeah,
1: do you know how I knew that, you freaks?
0: Because you've been there
1: before. I walked over that ass-sucking bridge, so I knew all about it. Thank you very much.
2: Well, there you go. Were all those other ones actual bridges in New York?
0: Yeah, as far as Google tells me. Yeah.
1: Brooklyn Bridge! Yeah!
0: I didn't get swept. Now now we're on to our final thoughts and ratings, everybody. All right, we talked about all the graphic gore and all the graphic sex and nudity and violence. All right, so Grave Robber Jeff, with your newfangled gore ratings, what would you give New York Ripper?
2: Yeah, these categories really tie into knots. I was going to give it a moderate. And then the eyeball scene kind of ups it. And so it's like between moderate and severe, but it's not quite severe. So it's, it's not m- quite moderate.
0: It's moderately severe?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I guess you've got
1: to add another uh, notch on the old uh, meter there.
2: You know what I'm saying? I yeah, want- so that means we can also have a mildly moderate. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and a severely uh, over the top.
2: Yep. Oh,
0: Yeah. Anyways, so there, there you have it. We're still working out the, the 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 bugs in our in our system here. Yeah, it gets extra gore points for being so mean about it. There's not much fun going on in this movie. Well, I will
1: tell you what, there wasn't much gore in this film, but the gore that there was was pretty pretty intense, you know. So I just have to give it a six and a half out of ten because uh one of the scenes was pretty freaking nasty
0: and the the acting of the actresses in those scenes was unsettling too you know there's a lot of screaming and it played out very realistically how how something like this would would look and that when you're talking about movie violence a lot of the time it's sensationalized and and this was just more dark and gritty and real all right so scare factor I'm trying to remember, was I was I scared during this movie at all? And I'm coming up blank, so help me out, guys. Were you scared?
2: I sure as heck wasn't. Once again, I kind of thought of it as more of a crime drama CSI type thing. Yeah, we're getting a lot of those these days, aren't we?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't say it was scary. There was a couple suspenseful scenes, like the gal in the trench coat, uh... In the hallway and stuff and
0: yeah but that I, was that was another example of like the the victim trying to get away and can't open a door for the life of her you know like the exit doors are locked for some reason
1: <laughs> yeah like the friggin', uh you know the emergency exit
0: doors you can't get out i was like come on really yeah there were a couple of i mean there's a suspenseful scene involving a chase out of the subway and And the and the scene that follows up on that in the movie theater is probably the closest you get to to being a little scared, but
1: yeah, not not really a scary movie, is it?
2: No, it's like all the other scary scenes were offset by the quacking, which. (laughs) But you know what, man?
1: Like, maybe maybe at the time that would have been considered kind of scary. Maybe to us nowadays it seems a little goofy, but at the time maybe like a Donald Duck voice would have been kind of creepy. You know what I'm saying?
0: You're reaching there, I think. I'm trying.
1: I'm trying, but it's obviously not working.
0: Maybe they shouldn't have picked Donald Duck. Maybe they should have picked Goofy.
1: You know? No, that, w- that would have been just hilarious. Oh, gosh. I'm going to mutilate you. Oh, gosh. Poor Goofy. Well, basically, I'm going to give it a good fat one and a half out of 10 for the scary factors. That's, that doesn't seem very scary at all
0: no no it really wasn't so let's move on now slice and you know what's coming next
1: well i guess we move on to the uh the old hoots and such category now this particular movie uh it was quite prevalent throughout the whole story here fellas and some of it was you could enjoy i guess but a lot of it you couldn't but it was pretty severe, so I'd give it a big fat eight and a half out of ten for the hoots and such categories. You know what? Some people might want to know. And in this particular case, it was more than I would have thought of, so it was kind of surprising, to be fair. So, so now you'll know. If you watch this movie, you're going to get a lot
0: of it. The point of this movie is not to make you feel particularly good about it, so just be aware of that. Yeah, you got that right. Grave Robber Jeff, do we have a disturbometer meter reading on this
2: one? Oh, it's time for the disturbometer. meter Yes, yeah, so I think we've sorted out that we should have categories of disturbedness as well, because numbers are numbers are just numbers. Is that a word? Disturbedness? I don't know. I have it no is though. I'm not an English major. So let's say well, it could be not at all mildly disturbing or very disturbing. And for this
0: movie, I'd say it's very disturbing. I think you've made your job easy on yourself, limiting it to three categories like that. i will have to seem, come up with another one.
1: Yeah, that seems a little a little uh, get out jail free card. Well, I'll tell you what, let's talk about what Rotten Tomatoes thought of this particular movie. Uh, the Tomato Meter, which seems to be the uh, out of a whopping seven reviews, only fourteen percent were positive. Uh, now for the audience score, twenty five hundred ratings. 54% positive. So it didn't seem very well received at all.
0: So we're going to go into our final ratings then.
1: Take it away, Jason the Terrible.
0: All right, well, as a as a horror movie and as a movie that is trying to disturb you, I think it's successful. For that, I'm going to give it a rating of a 6 out of 10. I'm also on board with the
2: 6 out of 10. I thought the uh, mystery reveal aspect was uh, was good, but... A lot of it was over the top. Not really a re-watching movie
0: for me. All right, thank you, Grave Robber Jeff. Slice and Dice and Dave, are you going to go with something other than a six to um, avoid our first 666 movie?
1: Oh, my God. Um, well, now the pressure's on. <laughs> Everyone's going to be pissed off at me, but I'm going to give it a five and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, but um, the, the thing is, like, I liked some of the stuff. I actually liked the Donald Duck voice. And I liked, you know, the Fay scene that was all like an acid kind of trip business, nightmarish thing. So there was stuff I kind of liked about it. Uh, some of the characters liked. You know what? The more I think about it, I'm going to give it a goddamn 6 out of 10, fellas, just like you guys. We got our first 666. Ring the bell. There you go. No, uh... I... guess you
2: could play the Iron Maiden song, The Number of the Beast."
1: Oh, yeah. We'd probably have to give royalties, though.
0: 666. Six, six. How about that? All right. Grave Robber Jeff and Slice and Dice and Dave. Somewhat difficult movie to talk about, but I think we did a pretty good job.
1: You know what? I didn't find it very hard to talk about. I'm, I'm glad you picked it, because like I said, I've been wanting to see it. And uh, it was a kind of kind of crazy film, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's the kind of movie that would be made today. It's definitely, definitely of its time back, you know, you, you think about it, the 80s, 1982 was right in the middle of the the heyday for slasher movies, right? This was a very realistic and gritty take on, on that. But again, I, my biggest problem is that it's so mean-spirited.
1: I can't really say it was an enjoyable movie to watch,
0: no. All right, well, I think we should get into our individual segments now, and we're going to start with... The DVD dungeon. For this episode's edition of the DVD dungeon, you know, in full confession mode, I watched this a few months ago, so it's not, not fresh off the top of my head, but I gotta tell you, I can actually remember most of this movie. A lot of the scenes really stuck with me, and... I really enjoyed it. It's a movie that takes place on Christmas. It's about a woman who gets stuck in a parking garage with a with a creepy maniac. This is P2 from 2007. Have you guys heard of P2 from 2007?
1: Um, yes, actually. Someone, some, one, I think the main actress I'm familiar
0: with. I can't remember who it is. The main actress is Rachel Nichols. Nichols!
1: Yeah, from Continuum. I worked on that show back in the day.
0: I did not know her from Continuum, but I knew her from G.I. Joe, Rise of Cobra. She played Scarlet. She was also Lisa in the Amityville Horror remake and Gala in Star Trek and a couple of Bon Jovi music videos.
1: Oh, you gotta be kidding me.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna back up and I'm gonna read the synopsis here. Angela, played by Rachel Nichols, a corporate climber gets stuck working late on Christmas Eve and finds herself the target of an unhinged security guard. With no help in sight, the woman must overcome physical and psychological challenges to survive." And I gotta say, this one's... Now that I think about it, and this is unintentional, but it's kind of a nice counterpoint to The New York Ripper, because this is the story of a woman that is fighting back, going kind of punch-for-punch with this unhinged security guard, who is played by Wes Bentley. So you might remember Wes Bentley from such movies as American Beauty, going way back there. Soul Survivors, The Hunger Games, and Final Girl. So yeah, it's a pretty simple storyline, and it, it's pretty ingenious. In this huge office tower, she, she heads down to her, her car after hours to, to head out to her family's place for Christmas. She ends up getting captured by this security guard, and this guard has set things up so that this situation happens. And Wes Bentley is pretty convincing as someone that has some mental problems here, and his performance goes from being kind of sweet and helpful to being kind of weird and freaky to being downright psychotic. And you wouldn't think that a movie that's set in one location, like a parking garage, would give you much opportunities for for different dramatic scenes and things like that. But this this movie actually did keep me on the edge of my seat. I did find it to be very intelligent with a lot of the uh, situations that the characters were put in. I found the acting to be very good. I think the reception for this movie has been a bit harsh. I mean, it had a budget of $8 million, and worldwide it made back $7.7 million. So... It didn't perform very well. Maybe it was an expectation thing. I don't know. I went in not knowing what to expect, not having many expectations whatsoever, and I and I found it to be actually quite a quite an enjoyable, tense and scary ride. So, you guys know with me that what I really don't like are people doing stupid things. In a,
1: you br- you bring that up every week, there, Jason. The terrible. Yep.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, this this one did not, and granted it's been a, a little while since I saw it, but I do not remember being frustrated by any of the decisions. I remember I remember the sense of suspense that came from some of these situations, and it was done really well. You wouldn't think with a movie that was essentially two characters that there would be much opportunity for gore, but they do find a way to work in some pretty convincing gore. And something I should mention when talking about the gore is that the producer of this movie is Alexander Aja, who is well known in horror circles. He's uh, the director of High Tension. He's the director of the Hills Have Eyes remake, as well as Piranha 3D and this year's 2021's Oxygen, which I've heard some good things about. P2 was directed by Frank Calhoun, who went on to direct the Maniac remake starring Elijah Wood. So yeah, there was some definite horror cred in the production team. Last thing from a technical perspective, it was actually filmed in Toronto, Ontario, so another Canadian-based movie. Yeah, I really like this one. I would probably give it a solid 7.5 out of 10. Wow. And I would encourage you to check it out.
1: Well, I might just have to. I've seen it on a bunch of the streaming services, but I haven't quite seen it just yet. But I tell you what, I didn't. I wasn't aware that Wes Bentley was in it, and 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 I'm a pretty big fan of his. You know what I mean? American Beauty being one of my favorite movies. Yep. But But uh, he was in American Horror Story, uh, the series. A few of those seasons I really liked, and um, yeah, it looks like he's he's in Yellowstone, which I haven't seen yet. But everyone's friggin'. Going gag goo goo over. Is that what they say? Going gag goo goo over? I
0: think that is what the kids are saying these days.
1: Yeah. Anyway, apparently that's supposed to be pretty good. Not a horror, by any means. But, uh, yeah. Well, there you go. Wes Bentley.
0: Should we move on to our next segment? Ooh, what's our next segment? Our next segment is... Grave Robert Jets. Fresh Dig.
2: Oh, hey. So... For my fresh dig this week, I went the anthology route, because I really like the anthology. Uh, so this one is from 1993, called Body Bags. And so this is a three-part three, three part anthology, about 30-ish minutes each. I like these kind, because if the first one kind of sucks, you still got a couple more to go through. And and you, you pretty much have three chances to, to be entertained, so it's kind of neat. So this is kind of a interesting thing I didn't know about when I picked it. Is that it's almost like a who's who of horror directors in this thing. So John Carpenter, who we all know did uh, Halloween, is actually the the morgue guy who, who's telling the the stories. So each anthology usually has a storyteller. So it's kind of neat seeing him as in the actual show. Uh, so he does two of them. And so the third one is directed by Toby Hooper, who, of course, we all know did Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So that's
1: and quite... Life huh? Force there, Grave Robber Jeff.
0: You did Life Force? I didn't
2: Yeah. That. Jesus Christ,
1: why do you think I love Toby Hooper so much?
2: Well, get out of town.
0: You just stole Slicen's catchphrase.
1: <laughs> you say get out of town? Yeah, I, I, maybe I do. I probably do. Yeah. And oh, hey, we're helping each other out here there, Grave Robert Jeff. That's why we're uh, here.
2: Ah, uh, yes, very good. <laughs> and so yeah, so, yeah, the storyteller's in a in a morgue. He's going through a bunch of body bags. And usually that part of it's quite entertaining. And that doesn't disappoint here. There's a lot of comedy in there. But the interesting thing, well, there's a few interesting things. There's quite a lot of, of uh, well-known people acting in this thing. And you'll recognize a lot of cameos of, of other people in the horror industry that, that just show up. But I guess I'll just go a quick. A synopsis of what the stories are about so the first is about a serial killer so pretty standard the second is about a hair transplant gone wrong and the third is about a baseball player wow that's a terrible synopsis <laughs> at IMDb. it's about a baseball player so the baseball player story he loses an eye and gets a implant and starts to see things that are terrible. So that's pretty much a summary of the shows. Some of the actors you'll see along the way include Stacy Keach. I don't know if you guys know Stacy Keach, but he's I, been in a ton of stuff. I think I do. Help, <laughs> help, help me out, though.
1: I, I was going to say, who's she? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Anyways, I was scrolling through his filmography. He's done so many things. Uh but but recently he's been in Blue Bloods, the CBS show. He was in
0: NCIS for a few years. I and thought he his... was in something that we talked about not too long ago, no? Really? That I don't know. Oh hell, he was in class of nineteen ninety nine. Oh that's one. Oh, that's the one you talked about. Yeah. Back back in practice episode thirteen, which came out as bonus episode number one. Go check it out. Ooh. Cool. Yeah, he he plays a very weird guy in Class of
2: 1999. I do have to say his performance in this movie is pretty great. So he stars in the hair transplant one uh, across from Sheena Easton. Do you guys know who Sheena Easton is? Pop star Sheena Easton? Pop star Sheena Easton. That particular story is almost, or I would say mostly, interactions between the two of them, which I thought they were actually great together in this show.
0: What songs did Sheena Easton sing? I haven't done that much research. (laughs) I was just throwing that out there because I didn't think you'd know the answer to that question.
2: But, oh yeah, this movie's from 1993, so that's the uh, era we're talking about here. And so in the third one, you've got Luke Skywalker himself, Mark Hamill. I knew Mark Hamill more from Wing Commander, the video game. He played uh, (laughs) that Colonel Blair. So it was kind of weird what to see him in a horror movie uh so that part was really weird and he had a an accent it was just bizarre so I couldn't get it out of my head that I was watching the wing commander guy Uh, so it was kind of funny but the actual third story because he's the baseball player who loses the eye uh, I thought that was probably the strongest one out of the three and yeah, it was just weird that he was in there. I think I would have liked it better if he was not. <laughs> he was not, That's weird to say. Sorry, Mark Hamill. Um, and he was, he was married to Twiggy. Do you guys know who Twiggy was? No. Oh, I think she's still alive, I should say. Do you know who Twiggy is? <laughs> I, I, it rings a bell. So Twiggy was like a very famous model from the 1960s. Oh,
0: yeah. She was
2: like the first one who's kind of popularized the the
0: thin model look, hence the name Twiggy. Name oh, I see. Did she also popularize the the using one name for your name? Maybe, maybe indeed.
1: Yeah, geez, Jeff. There's there's a slew's list of famous people in this movie.
0: A slew's list.
1: Even even Robert Carradine of Revenge of the Nerds fame shows up. Oh yeah.
0: Up there.
2: I don't doubt. Eh? So it's likely you'll recognize almost everybody if you um, were alive in that era. And yeah. So after seeing the names of of the horror directors behind it, I thought, "Wow, that's probably going to be pretty good." And it was just okay for me. I think the the first one was was lacking something, but it's the second and third ones I think were, were worth watching. I think the third one had the most gore in it. The other two weren't that gory. It's hard to talk about three at once. It's almost like you have to mini-review each one. But So yeah, I guess the, the Toby Hooper episode, the one about the baseball player, I thought was, was the strongest. But overall, if you like the creep show movies, if you like Tales from the Crypt, I think you'll enjoy this one because of all the... Well, because A, it's always neat getting like little snippets from, from these guys to see what they, they do in that sort of uh, setup. And B, there's a lot of cameos. And so anytime someone pops in, you're like, oh, I know that guy. But if you're a fan of the anthologies,
0: like Show, Tales from the Crypt, I think you'll enjoy this one. Thanks, Grave Rubber. Would you say that there's more, like, is this definitely horror comedy, or is it... Well, the storytelling's definitely all comedy. Uh, which is a very enjoyable part of it,
2: but the the first one definitely not a comedy. Second one would be leaning towards comedy, and third one is not a comedy. So, overall, it, it's definitely not a horror comedy. Okay, interesting. If you go by percentages, then two thirds
0: versus one third. <laughs> that's
2: that's some good percentages.
0: All right, thank you, Grave Robber, for that fresh dig. Alright guys, here's a watch out first. We're going to do an email segment. What the hell? We have an email? Well, we do have an email. You can get in touch with us at watchouthorror at gmail.com. Alright, so this one comes in from regular listener to the podcast, Ben in Texas.
1: Hey, Ben in Texas. Oh, he's, I guess he can't respond, can he? No. He's pretty far away. I don't think he can hear me right now.
0: Anyway, so he says, really enjoying the podcast. This is a guy that listens to a lot of podcasts, by the way. Oh, right on. Um, He says, I'm sad it's not named Hoots and such, though. LOL. (laughs) Then he says, no, I really like it. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I'm really picky. If it doesn't sound pro or if it's edited poorly, I can't do it. Yours is really well-organized, fun, and a joy to listen to. I like the segments, and I find the concepts interesting. The check is in the mail there, Ben. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Ben. You, um, it sounds like you like it more than we do. <laughs>
0: going through a d He continues, going through a DVD backlog and digging through Tubi are two things a lot of horror fans can understand. Also, Dave may want to be careful about digging so deep into his scream sack. No <laughs> one wants to rip their scream sack.
1: <laughs> That's pretty good.
2: Yeah, remember the last time you ripped your sack? You were out of commission for a month. <laughs>
1: that was an arduous rehabilitation but it's back and better than ever
0: alright Ben from Texas thanks for the thanks for the message we appreciate it
1: thanks for your feedback Ben
0: alright Slice and you know what time it is
1: Slice and Dave Scream and Scream Sack thank you everyone welcome to this week's Scream Sack choice from The Scream Sack. I dug fairly deep, but not very deep this week because it was uh, only, oh, here, here I'm reaching I, I got it here, uh, from 2016. And it's hilarious because apparently this is a huge, hugely popular film worldwide, but I had never heard of it until now. Train to Busan, a South Korean film about zombies on a train to Busan. Yes, you heard it right, Zombies on a Train. Well, how could that be a great movie? It's a very good movie. I watched it with my wife on the old shutter service last night, and actually my wife really enjoyed it. There's lots, uh, I don't know, do you, guys, do you guys like zombie flicks and stuff?
0: I enjoy a good zombie flick.
1: I was gonna say, if you're a zombie guy, this is a must watch. Because if you look at the old Shutter reviews, all like I'd say 90% of them are 5 out of 5. And uh, if, if you go to the old Tomato Meter, which is critic reviews, it's 94%, man. And then 10,000 ratings of the audience score is 89%. So it's hugely popular and well-received. Um, it comes in at a running time of 1 hour and 58 minutes. So for the synopsis here, uh, martial law is declared when a mysterious viral outbreak pushes Korea into a state of emergency. Those on an express train to Busan, a city that has successfully fended off the viral outbreak, must fight for their own survival. Yeah, so I mean, you you get to like some of the characters. You don't get too much backstory of what actually happens. But you, you get a lot of good character development off the hop. Uh, there's a dad that is taking care of his daughter, and daughter wants to go and see her uh, mom in Busan. So uh, what does the dad do? He says, okay, well, I'll take you to your friggin' mom in Busan. Well, on the trip, unfortunately, one of these zombie-type creatures gets on board, and all heck breaks loose. There's lots to like about it. It's more of the vein of uh, World War Z, Z or... Twenty-eight days later, so that more faster, violenter zombies, uh, as opposed to say, you know, *Walking Dead* or *The Night of the Living Dead*, where they're slow and you know, plodding. Now, one thing that just drives me insane about this movie is their like lack of urgency at times. It's like uh, there's there's scenes where people are holding doors open and stuff, and no word of a lie. These characters will sit there for an extra two seconds and you'll go, what the hell are you waiting for? Goddamn, run to the goddamn door. And then they finally run to the door. But it's like, why in the hell did they add the extra two friggin' seconds of just sitting there waiting? It'll drive you nuts. But uh, all in all, man, it's a really good film. You develop feelings for these guys. Uh, It's very suspenseful at times. Uh, Not super gory. I mean, there is zombie-type guys. Biting necks and stuff, but it doesn't really get too graphic. It is a Korean movie, so I watched it with subtitles on, which was alright. So, all in all, there were some really cool things. Um, there's a scene where the train's driving away and there's just this tail of zombies holding on, and that's pretty entertaining. All in all, it was a pretty entertaining flick and it had me uh, riveted the whole time, the whole two hours. Uh, directed by Yong Sang Ho. Uh, who prior to that had not directed a full-action film, but he has since directed a sequel to this in 2020 called Peninsula. I I guess there's a a short uh, animated film that they released shortly after the movie was released, directed by Yong Sang-ho as well. And I guess it just shows you more of what uh, the pre-movie business of what happened. I haven't seen it myself, but that might be something you want to look into. Yeah, and so for a South Korean movie, it grossed worldwide, as of today, just about 93 million dollars. So it, it's quite a successful film, and it's, I believe, around six... It's in the top ten of uh, South Korea's most successful films, I guess we could say. Anyway, all in all, it was a very uh, entertaining movie. Yeah I liked it, the wife liked it, uh, I, I gave it a 7 out of 10, but there's a lot of people that liked it even more than me. So there you go, fellas. Train to Busan. If you have a chance to watch it,
0: I'd, I'd give it a whirl. All right, Slice and, and Dave, that was a solid pick. And you too, Grave Robber, I think i got two more movies i got to watch. All right, and that brings us to the end of another episode of Watch Out Horror Movie Reviews. I want to thank all you listeners for hanging with us and continuing to support our podcast. We really appreciate it. And I want to thank Slice and Dice and Dave and Grave Robber Jeff as well, as always, for bringing it again this week. Hey, thanks a lot, Jason the
1: Terrible. Hey, don't forget about our email if you want to get a hold of us.
0: Well, thank you, Slicen. I was just about to say you can get in touch with us at WatchOutHorror at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at WatchOutHorror or you can follow us on Instagram. This is brand new at WatchOutHorrorCast.com. Slice and Dice and Dave, are you picking our next movie?
1: Okay, so this one this one's directed by Mario Bava's son, Lamberto Bava, from 1985, Demons. Ooh, is that on Shudder? Sure is, pal. And we're going to watch it this week.
0: <laughs> All right, thanks, Slice, and I'm looking forward to watching that one for sure. So until next time... And there will be a next time. Be safe. Treat each other well, and go watch some horror movies.
1: There you go. That's the stuff. Uh, Sorry, I shouldn't have said hold on, because I'm doing nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Don't hold on, and keep going.
2: (laughs) Hello, is this thing on?
0: (laughs) So this is in reference to episode three here. He says, Sam Raimi refers to the Evil Dead movies as Splatstick if the other guys force you to retire Gormody. Well... I think I think in a subsequent episode I, I made my case for Gormedy and I uh, <laughs> and I think we're I think we're past that discussion but but Ooh, I kind
1: of like Splatstick.
0: Splatstick pretty it's good, splat good too.
1: Plus it, it's, it's Sam Raimi. So, you know, who are you going to go with? Sam Raimi or Jason the Terrible? You know oh, what I mean?
0: Well, I know who I'm going to go with, but anyway.
1: Splatstick it is. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. We'll go with your Gormedy for now, I suppose.
0: And, uh, and Ben's final point here is, also, Bride of Reanimator has a pretty hilarious penis mutilation scene, if I remember correctly. So, Ben, I'm going to have to... I just watched that not too long ago, and I'm drawing a blank on the, on the penis mutilation scene. So I'm going to have to go back and check on that. But do you guys remember at all?
1: It's like, oh my God, I got to go back and watch this movie to make sure there was a penis mutilation scene. <laughs> Did we watch that, Jeff? Brigham Reanimator?
2: I'm thinking of one that we watched. a uh, third the dead, Reanimator the movie?
1: Beyond Reanimator, Jay. And that's
2: Jeff.
0: probably the one that I'm thinking of. I think there was even. Well, we watched
1: that. You and I watched <clears throat> that.
0: I think there was even another one. So maybe it's a common theme. We're going to have to do some research, find out.
1: Maybe you're thinking Frankenhooker, Jeff.
0: Oh, Beyond Reanimator—that is what it was. With All general
1: right. mutilation. Yeah. So that means Beyond oh, so Reanimator maybe, and Bride Reanimator must have it.
0: Unless, unless Ben was uh, mistaken about Bride, because
1: no, I'd, Ben would never be mistaken.